0: Now, in today's episode, we aim to answer the question, what happened to Jesus during those missing 18 years in the Bible? Now, today's guest is Paul J. Davids, who has done an immense amount of research on just this subject. He made a documentary called Jesus in India, and he found historical sites proving that Jesus was in India, as well as Tibet, and a few other regions during those 18 years. This is a mind-blowing conversation. Let's dive in. I'd like to welcome to the show Paul J. Davids. How are you doing, Paul? I'm doing well. Thank you so much for coming on the show, my friend. I am super excited to talk to you. Like I was telling you before we got started, I've been looking forward to this conversation for a while because we're going to talk about the missing years of Jesus and this mystery that's been going around and you made a movie about this topic called Jesus in India. And, uh, you know, we're gonna go down the rabbit hole a little bit because you actually traveled to a lot of different places around the world and investigated and kind of followed, uh, followed this uh, author who wrote another book about the same topic around the world and trying to trying to figure out the answers to this. What by first of all, what made you want to make this movie? In general,
1: Well, the author of the book, King of Travelers, Jesus's Lost Years in India, Edward T. Martin, <clears throat> had been um, suggesting to me for a couple of years that uh, we make a film, you know, based upon this uh, mystery and his book. And <clears throat> I was slow to uh, accept the invitation, let's say. Uh, I turned him down a couple of times and... Uh, As a devotee of Yogananda, I look for signs. Something uh, out there suggests to me what I ought to be doing. And uh, I think it was in 2005, uh, I felt that I was uh, receiving the suggestion from Yogananda that it was time for me to go to India. And what was going through my mind was, as Babaji had sent him to the United States,
0: Mm-hmm.
1: he was now sending me to India. Yogananda was. Mm-hmm. Uh, and But how was this going to happen? Well, this was just something that floated in my mind during a meditation, and I didn't know uh, whether to take it seriously. But I did begin to look for uh, an excuse to go to India. And my university, I'm, I'm a graduate of Princeton, and I received a flyer from them about how they were having a... Um, opportunity to go to india to go to the tiger preserves and i thought well maybe that's the answer so i I put in a deposit and then uh, friends uh talked me out of it and they said that's not the way you want to go to india and then ed martin called me again you know he had he had asked me multiple times at various conferences uh about uh, making that film and he said uh paul I want you to know I'm going back to India. I'm continuing my research there. I really think that what I do and my travels there should be filmed. Would you consider once again, putting this together? I said, give me 24 hours. So uh, I called up Anil Ermiel, who is from India, who uh, was um, editor on my film Starry Night and uh, an associate producer on that film. And I told him I was thinking about it and would he want to help? And he said, absolutely. He said, you know, I would forbid you to make this project without uh, without me. And he had so many contacts in India, he was very capable of setting up the whole journey and. So uh, after thinking about it and, and realizing that Yellow Hat Productions, my company, uh, had enough money in the account to sponsor this trip to India and get the filming underway, um, I told Ed Martin, yes, yes, uh, I, I've changed my mind. We're going to make the movie Jesus in India. And from there, the next step was planning uh, where we were going to go in India, and it ended up being 4,000 miles of different destinations. Mm.
0: Good Lord. Well, you know, it's so funny that that you say Yogananda because I think Yogananda was the first time I heard of the, the idea that Jesus was in India. And it's a very intriguing idea. And, you know, and I was, um, I'm a recovering Catholic, uh, as <laughs> I've said on the show many, many times before. Uh, and, you know, to hear, I always wondered that too, as a child, I was like 12 years old to 30 pretty much. It's a dead silence. There's nothing there.
1: Like, There's what, one what, sentence. What what sentence is it? One sentence in the Bible covering those 18 years. Uh-huh. If I can quote it correctly, I think it was um, and Jesus grew in um knowledge and in wisdom and in favor with God and man. That covered well, 18 years. I mean, that's a that's almost as good as the Indians take the fort. Kind of like, just
0: like, you know, just one line, but it's going to be three weeks of of filming (laughs) in the script. So um, it it encompassed a heck of a lot. Um, So the idea of Jesus being in India, and after studying Yogananda and going down the yoga philosophies as I have, as the more I did my own research in it, and I I came across your film and came across these books, and and Yogananda wrote a book about it as well, and actually wrote a lot about uh, Jesus in India. The idea started to make more sense to me, personally, because a lot of the things that Jesus did in India, excuse me, Jesus did in his when he came back, sounded a lot like yogic powers. In your experience, what are the connections between Jesus's abilities, you know, the things that the miracles that he performed versus the miracles that yogis performed? In Indian traditions?
1: Well, that's a tough question. Uh <clears throat> that's a very, very tough question. Um, because you need to line up all the examples of uh the yogic miracles. Uh sure. Yogananda mentions a lot of them in his in his book. <clears throat> but I, I'd like to take it from another tack and and say mm-hmm. uh that uh Ed Martin had uh spent his life researching this project really uh for writing his book he 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 was a mountain climber he was a teacher of english as far as a second language and he researched jesus in india he got into uh, trouble in his uh, fundamentalist church when he began asking questions about those missing uh, 18 years Mm -hmm. and he was told uh ed martin you should be worrying about your own salvation not what Jesus was doing. If God had wanted you to know that, it would be in the Bible. And that wasn't good enough for him. For me, the starting point on this, uh, Ed pointed out, look, the Bible takes Jesus up till he was 12, speaking with the wise rabbis in the temple and astonishing them with his knowledge. So what would have happened next? Well, the next year he would have had a bar mitzvah. He was Jewish. He would have been 13 and you know that once a uh, uh, Jewish young man became a man through the bar mitzvah, uh, he was married off. They always arranged a match. <clears throat> he wouldn't have been able to remain uh, a bachelor if he had stayed. Mm. And then came the question about uh, the Silk Road between uh, India and, uh, and and Judea the story of the three wise men in the Bible, and the fact that the gifts that were given um, was gold, incense, and myrrh. And Ed pointed out to me, those three gifts are specific gifts given by rishis, holy men of India, uh, to holy personages. we'll be right back after a word from our sponsor and now back to the show so why why gold incense and myrrh unless those three kings or the three wise men were from India there there was the trade route on um the silk road <clears throat> and so the the hypothesis was, uh, you know, did Jesus uh, return the visit by taking the Silk Road when he was about to reach 13, probably going with a caravan, and go to India and spend many, many years there? So how to investigate this? Well, there were many ways. Of course, it's like a 2,000-year-old cold case. Um And you can't absolutely prove it. Uh, So you go with the adage that where there's smoke, there's fire. So you look for the smoke. Where's the smoke? Well, um, one of them is that there's the Jagannath temple in uh, Puri, I believe it is in India. It's it's around 2,500 years old. And nearby A couple of things. Nearby, uh, Yogananda uh, was there for years at the ashram of his guru, Sri Teswar. Mm -hmm. But also nearby is the Shankaracharya. That title is sort of the equivalent of Pope in Catholicism. The Shankaracharya, there there are actually, I think, four Shankaracharyas in Hinduism. And I think the main one, you would say, is there near the Jagannath Temple. And we wanted to have an interview with him and this is where if you want to interrupt for questions please no, do no because- please
0: no continue i'm i'm sitting here like around a fireplace please tell me well
1: uh i was told by anil uh who who uh, became a fellow producer of jesus in india with me <clears throat> that there was no no chance that i would be able to get an interview with the Shankaracharya. forget it He said, it's very, very unlikely that Shankaracharya would even agree to see you and have your picture taken with him. He said, maybe, maybe I could, uh, being, uh, you know, native of India. But we went there to the headquarters of the Shankaracharya. And uh, I got to see one of his, uh, I don't know whether to call him a helper or an assistant or lieutenant, but, uh, and I mentioned to him that uh, I should be considered an honorary uh, Hindu as a devotee of Yogananda, because they weren't going to meet with me as just a white guy from America, but (laughs) fair enough, and talking to him about Yogananda, he said, this is a different story. I'll check with the Shankaracharya, and the next thing I knew, I was being ushered in to a room where the Shankaracharya was with my video crew and sat down there um, to uh, have an an interview, which was uh, in Hindi. Anil Ermil uh, asked the questions and he later worked on the translation of it. The Shankaracharya insisted that their tradition is solid that jesus was not only in india but that he was there at the Jagannath temple he practically wanted to tell me jesus's course of study what becomes really interesting is that you see many similarities between a lot of these hindu teachings and what became christianity where christianity differed so much from judaism which uh has a stern God, hmm. a punishing God, uh, a God that uh, taught uh, an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. Angry, angry, jealous, revenge, insecure, <laughs> revenge. Yeah. yeah, and of course demanded worship in many, many ways and animal sacrifices. And this okay. was, you know, prevalent in <clears throat> in Judaism. I'm ethnically. Jewish. I have Mm -hmm. not been practicing of Judaism. Again, I took an interest in the self-realization fellowship and the teachings of Yogananda. Uh, This is what really spoke to me. Mm -hmm. But um, in Christianity, it's not an eye for an eye. It's it's the opposite. It's, Mm -hmm. you know, if, if someone slaps you, turn the other cheek, let them slap the other cheek. You know, if he if he takes your coat, give him your shirt. Uh, You know, this has it has something in common with Hinduism uh, and Far Eastern religion, but um, but not Judaism. So when according to these theories, when Jesus at about age 30 returned and was baptized by his cousin, John, Mm -hmm. wasn't it in the Jordan River? I think so. I think so. Yes. <clears throat> so uh, he was coming back uh, with uh, teachings that would challenge the very heart of uh, of, of Judaism,
0: <clears throat>
1: and you can imagine the Orthodox rabbis in Israel at that time were not going to be friendly to someone that wanted to tamper with uh you know with the with jewish uh religion which is uh, very strict a lot, lot of rules like catholicism a lot of rules right um so the, the interview with the shankaracharya was just one of our uh, destinations i i also want to mention that <clears throat> ed martin who had been rejected uh, by mainstream religious scholars and uh they didn't want to hear about jesus in india but as a graduate of Princeton, I was able to obtain a video interview uh, with Elaine Pagels, who is one of the great biblical scholars, <clears throat> one of the one of the great experts on uh, all of those uh, scrolls that were found. I think.
0: It was oh, the, the, de- Nod- the Dead Sea the Dead Sea scrolls, or well,
1: the other scrolls. There were a lot of scrolls found in an urn. Yes, you're uh, right. Yes, Did Nag Hammadi. I want to. Yeah, I don't know. I think I know. Yeah, it. and they mm-hmm. were
0: they said a lot about Jesus is some lost teachings and things.
1: Well, I mean, yeah, they talked about a teacher of wisdom. I don't think there was a name attached, but it was clear from those that a sect arose in Israel that uh, challenged the prevailing religious order. Uh, So Elaine Pagels, I got an interview with her, and uh, she personally didn't believe that Jesus was in India because she found the concept very difficult, that she called him a village rabbi, Mm -hmm. had gone all the way uh, to India. She didn't have any explanation for the missing years. However, uh, as she analyzed it, she said, the thing is, as a biblical scholar, we can't rule this theory out. We can't rule it out. As a a good uh,
0: academic would, is yes. like you know you have new evidence. You have to keep things open and fluid because yes. you're never right. No one's ever rocks. Out. Remember, the Earth used to well, re- the 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 sun used to revolve around the Earth. Galileo yes. had a
1: rough time with that situation. Yes. Uh, <laughs> so, but for her, it was even more than that in in not being able to rule it out. Suddenly, put uh, Ed Martin with his theories on the playing field as a serious you know religious. Scholar and not a kook, let's say, and not a kook. Right. Because Elaine Pagels can't say, didn't happen. Uh-huh. All my authority, I could say, didn't happen. No, that wasn't the tack that she took. So the film, Jesus in India, let me say it's streaming online. Mm-hmm, it is. I mean, it, it may be a little hard to get the DVD now. The nice thing about the DVD is it had a lot of, a lot of bonus features. Mm-hmm. but the movie is streaming for free along with many of my other movies because I've made I think 12 feature films now many mm-hmm. of them on controversial topics that I think mm-hmm. would be of great interest to your listeners mm-hmm. um but I have now set up my website the website is Paul David's and then a hyphen artist.com it has my paintings it has mm-hmm. hundreds my paintings, but now when you go to the menu, the second um, category is films streaming, and it has the poster of I think 12 of my um, movies, television sure. series. Uh, and if you scroll down and you go to Jesus in India, you will find a link. Um, and I'm having a problem remembering, I think it's on Amazon, and it not is. on it's on Amazon can be seen there for free. Um, and, you know, we worked for a couple of years on, it, and it really tells, tells the whole story with all the evidence that we could put together. And there was a lot. We'll be right back after a word from our sponsor.
0: And now back to the show. So let me ask you, when Jesus was in India during those times. In your movie, you, it, it was insinuated that he stepped on a couple of Hindu priest's toes, as well as a quote unquote, troublemaker, because he was starting to cha- challenge, the ideas of the caste system and the, yes. this, the injustice within the Hindu traditions as well. Yes, it true? was
1: suggested from our research that he may have needed to flee. Uh, where he was in True, India. truly tr- troublemaker this Jesus kid yes yes <laughs> and then uh, the story is that he went to the birthplace of the Buddha mm-hmm. I don't know you know maybe 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 not sure it was really interesting about the missing scroll you know way up in Ladakh which is I don't know like 14,000 feet elevation up in the Himalayas Um There is um, a Buddhist uh, monastery, Hemis Monastery. And I think going back almost a hundred years now, we can say it's been reported by many travelers that they had a, an ancient document that spoke of Jesus's travels to India. Hmm. And there were about four or five well-known explorers who saw this when they were at Hemis through the decades. And it was uh, translated. You can find the, the document and it, it begins after uh, the crucifixion. Do I have that right? Well, I know it's sort of a flashback from uh, after the crucifixion. Deals with his travels as, uh, as a young man in India. Um, and the the whole story is mapped out there about taking the trade routes mm-hmm. and who he met with and how Christianity evolved from his travels and his exposure to Hinduism and Buddhism. We, of course, really wanted to see that manuscript yeah, confirm that it really existed. Um, one of the people See, this is where I don't have all the names to the tip of my uh That's tongue. fine. That's fine. There, there was the uh uh the, the Russian explorer oh, Nicholas, Nicholas,
0: yeah, something or other. Yeah, I forgot his last name, but yes.
1: Uh, I think he was the first. He was up there and he 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 broke a leg while he was there and had to spend weeks recovering there. He was shown the document. And then there was the great Russian painter. Again, uh, the name begins with Nicholas, and I apologize to your listeners, right at the tip of my tongue. Um, But uh, he claimed to have seen the document also and confirmed that it was there. And and a couple of other noted people did as well. Well, when we went there, um, we were shown the area where the document would be. If it was there, without them confirming it was there, I said, "These are our ancient uh, documents, and they're locked here. They're mm-hmm. locked. You can't uh, see any of them." And I looked at the uh, the cupboards, the shelves, and mm-hmm. and you know the doors with just glass, and there were no locks on those doors. What there was was a strip of yarn, just tied closed. Anybody could have taken a scissors in it, and no, 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 uh, because the uh, head of the monastery had left years ago with instructions that nobody was to open. Uh, and, and there you go. And and they said until he returns. Well, believe me, with uh, the problems in Tibet and the Chinese communists, they didn't even know if he was still alive. <laughs> you know, was he ever going to return? Well, we had an interview with one of the monks there who said, uh, listen, he's he's heard the story, you know, many times through the years. And he said, one of the problems were, uh, if we were to confirm this, this ancient document, um, Christianity would be very upset. You know, the Pope would not like that. He made it clear that there was pressure on them you know, at some point something was exerted on them that they were not to reveal uh, this document anymore uh, politics. To the politics, if you will. <laughs> but in his wording, it was very clear that uh, you know, they had the document, but he 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 danced around it how he was talking about it. It's
0: interesting it's really interesting because I mean, I I just recently came back from a, a trip to the Vatican. Uh, I, yes. I and I was over there. So and I know you've been there as well and and walking around the Vatican and going through the museum and going through P- St. Peter's Basilica and you I, at least for me, I just looked around. I'm like, my God, this has nothing to do with Jesus. This <laughs> has absolutely nothing to do with his, his teachings. I, this is all about the power of maintaining power, maintaining control. And the And the one thing I did notice is and I don't know if you went through. I'm sure you went through the, the museum as well. The embarrassments of riches.
1: Yes. That the, riches. That, the embarrassment. By the way, can I interrupt to say I just remembered Nicholas Notovich was the there name of. The, there it
0: is. Yeah, there it is. There it is.
1: The first Russian. I still um, haven't got the name of the uh, of the. Painter. It'll come to you. It'll come to you.
0: But as I'm but, going through, but as I'm going through that museum, I'm just going. My God, this is just how much did they like pillage over the centuries. Because they they had things from all sorts of cultures. I'm like, how the heck did they get this? How did they hell to get that? And then like, oh, there's Raphael's frescoes, and oh, there's you know, oh, Michelangelo did this on the weekend, and like, it's so much. And I'm like, that's only what they show. So then, let's not even talk about the archives and what lives in the library underneath the, the Vatican. How much knowledge have they taken over the years, and possibly
1: suppressed? Who knows? Well, but, there's a lot of claims that they have documents uh, proving that Jesus was, oh, in, sure. in, but it doesn't go with the official story, mm-hmm. so uh, it's not going to be. I, I want to say, I, I was at the Vatican and I had an interview with Monsignor Corrado Balducci, yes, who was the lead exorcist for John Paul II. Uh-huh. And um, actually, I didn't get to interview him there where I got to interview him. He had come to a UFO conference in Italy. Amazingly, Monsignor Corrado Balducci was Vatican's spokesman to say, yes, there are aliens. Yes, there are visitors from space. It's true. These are not angels. They're not demons. They're devils. They're not devils. Um, God created a lot of real estate would God have wasted all that real estate with all the other planets and stars? And he said, we should accept this. We should greet them. We may have a role in converting them. <laughs> obviously,
0: <laughs> obviously you have to convert them, but
1: I'm he sure. would say, you know, that they're real. Well, interesting. the lady that had, um, uh, invited me to the conference, Paula Harris, she's Italian. Harris is her married name. She, um, I said to her, "You know, I'm making this film, Jesus in India. I, I, do you think I could get an interview with Corrado Balducci about Jesus in India?" And she said, "Oh my God, absolutely not! Don't, don't go there, Paul." She said, "Don't you dare bring it up with him. He'll never talk to you again. He may never talk to me again. He doesn't want to hear about that. You know, because he he thinks it's just nonsense." so i said but would he let me have an interview with him about ufos and she said of course go go have an interview with him about ufos he won't object to that so being very clever obviously <laughs> i could see where this is going <laughs> yeah i had the interview with him about ufos and i and i said you know um you know monsignor um w- while i was uh, doing research about ufos in india I heard from some people in India a very strange story that uh, I didn't know what to do with. And I just wonder if you had ever heard of it because I I see there are people in India that believe that Jesus was there in India. Did you ever hear anything about that? Well, that opened up the door and he did begin talking about it. And he absolutely insisted it never happened. He said Um, the whole story of Jesus is contained in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Of course. And Acts. and uh, I, when, when I asked him, you know, but what about the missing 18 years, you know, that, they, that are not covered? What, what, what missing 18 years? I've never heard of this. i never heard of this. No, the whole story, it's there. We'll be right back after a word from our
0: sponsor. And now back to the show.
1: And then I had a translator there that asked him again, but Monsignor, no, 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 They it jumps in the Bible from age 12 to, and he, he just uh, played dumb and just said, no, I, I, I this I've never heard of. No, 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 this. And then he said this Jesus in India story, he said, it's falsa, falsa, falsa. I saw it, yeah. You say it in Italian. And when I put the film together, I had the interview with uh, the Shankaracharya, who say, "Absolutely, it's true. We know it's true." Yeah, was, very you it. And then we yeah. have uh, cutting back and forth with Monsignor saying, uh, "False, false, uh, false." So you get the divergence of the of the points of view. But I want to say, by the time I came away from India, I was pretty convinced of all the things we came across and that we we found. And not only that, the other part of the story. The if you will the dangerous part of the story as far as Orthodox Christianity is concerned, is the theory, uh, the conjecture that uh, Jesus survived the crucifixion.
0: Mm.
1: It wasn't the end of his physical life in the human body.
0: Before we and- before we go before we go down that road, I just want to dive a little bit back in a little bit to because I'm definitely want to ask you about that as yeah. well. Going back into. Uh, his time in india i'm gonna play devil's advocate no pun intended uh and a lot of people thinking like well what what, what's the point why did this little 13 year old jewish boy decide to jump on a caravan and go as a tourist or something over to india so what is the purpose of it i mean i i i kind of know the answer because i've studied
1: yogananda but what did Yogananda have to say about that? What do you in your travels, what did he have to say about that? See, I'm not sure. I, I remember what I, I I know that Yogananda emphasized the return visit of the three wise men. Mm-hmm. Uh and I don't know whether they the claim was that they oh, were so, back and, the, and that he went with them. I don't know, I don't got mind.
0: it. Well, I mean if you look at But, but look I do at, think
1: if they were getting ready to marry him off, he's he left like him. I got it. he left. Well,
0: so because, and again, from looking at it from the eyes of a spiritual master in the yogic philosophies and the yogic traditions and the Hindu traditions, those kind of things like, oh, you have a mission in this life, uh, you need to be trained, here's your master, you need to be trained in this, this, and this, because this is the this is what you came here. And it's kind of revealed to them, just like it was for Yogananda, just like it was for Yuktashwa Lahiri Mahashai, Babaji. And this lineage that we're talking about, and that that one just very small lineage, very powerful, but small lineage. And there's so many lineages of yogic, um, of yogis, uh, and and masters who eventually become ascended masters. But that again, because of that knowledge that I had when I heard the story of like, oh yeah, the 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 three kings or the three wise men came back. Hey, it's time for your training, let's go. And they take them to India. And then I heard, and I don't know about you. I heard he went to Egypt as well and he went to Nepal and the Tibet and in, in the Tibetan Himalayas as well. Have
1: you heard anything about that? Not Egypt, just Egypt okay. as a child. It's in the no. Bible, but uh, Nepal, uh, Tibet, uh, there's a very interesting ancient painting showing Jesus in Tibet mm-hmm. with, um, I mean, it was clearly in Tibet. That's, of course, I don't know that it was thousands of years old. It could have been hundreds of years. It could have just been based upon, uh, you know, the legends. But one thing we haven't touched on that's very compelling about mm-hmm. all of this: the connection between Christianity and uh, India mm-hmm. uh, through Saint Thomas. So, after the crucifixion,
0: mm-hmm.
1: at some point, Thomas did go to India. It's absolutely a fact. There are uh, Thomas Christians in India. As a matter of fact, my assistant director on the film was a Thomas, a devout Thomas Christian. And uh, in uh, Chennai, it was called Madras, and now I think it's called Chennai or vice versa. Um, Not only do they have St. Thomas's original Christian church there, which was, you know, it was rebuilt. I mean, it had to be restored, but that's where it was. The foundation is still there. It has incredible artifacts. We filmed in there. And there is a grandiose basilica honoring St. Thomas, the Basilica of Thomas there in Chennai. And why? 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 Jesus sent him to India. Why? To spread the good word, to spread the teachings in India. And it worked. I mean, it did. Be, his presence there did become the foundation of Christianity uh, in India. It's incredible. But this connection between Jesus and India is there, proven historically through Thomas. And the Catholic Church acknowledges this because John Paul II went to the Basilica of St. Thomas in India to honor Thomas. This is the Thomas, the doubting Thomas Mm -hmm. who said, you know, unless I can put my hand in the wound, you know, doubting Thomas did go to India. The Catholic Church accepts that. So if, if for those who are the skeptics or scoffers or dismiss this, why? Why did that happen? That's historic fact. There was this connection between uh, Jesus and India. It was important to him. It's also, um well, that gets us to that second part of the story you didn't want to get to yet. Go for it. No, let's get there now. All right. And l- let me just say that uh it's, let's bifurcate the story. It's two different theories the one is the theory between the ages of 18 and 30
0: mm-hmm.
1: and the, there's a lot of where there's fire there's smoke there's a lot of smoke for that you see it in the movie uh the other is the claim that um that jesus didn't die on the cross mm-hmm. that he was taken down uh that he was still alive they had to take him down because by the end of the day it was sabbath they weren't going to have uh, them up there on on the cross at that point but he was on the cross they say what 5 or 6 hours and usually it took people who were crucified a lot longer than that uh, to die um and then the the, the lance piercing his side was that the blood and water came out well if he was deceased the heart wouldn't be pumping to pump the fluids out of a wound You have a question there. Um, So um, the thought is of some people that when Jesus appeared afterwards to the disciples, it was really uh, him, the one who had been crucified. And when he said to Thomas, feel my wound, put your hand in, this is where I was pierced. That uh, That was Jesus in the body, they say, according to this theory. It was also described that he, not only he ate with the disciples, I mean, why why would a discarnate spirit who had come to appear before his disciples need mm-hmm. to eat? It's not mm-hmm. consistent. It's only appropriate for a physical body. And then he walked ahead of them to, was it Galilee? Um, and then that's a very human thing to do. It doesn't sound like a spirit the way it's described in the New Testament at that point. And there came uh, the feeling that he had to get out of town Mm -hmm. because if he was supposed to have been executed and they didn't finish it, uh, he didn't want to be found there. So the, the theory was that he, with his mother, Mary, departed to go back to India. And there's, there's a twist in this that became the very basis for why author Ed Martin spent so many years of his life even investigating this. He was in the Peace Corps in Afghanistan before the wars, before Russia came in and had the war, before the United States. Before that, he was a Peace Corps worker in Afghanistan. And he said one day he uh, he liked to drink beer and he went into wherever you could, get a beer there. I guess it must've been an American embassy because the alcohol may have been forbidden otherwise. And there was a beer there that he'd never seen before called Murray Beer. And it was spelled M-U-R-R-E-E, I think. And he said, I've never heard of this. What beer is this? And the Afghani uh, serving him said, well, that that is from Mother Mary. That is from Mother Mary. Um, because she died in the town in Pakistan that we call Murray. He said, what, you know, there is a tomb for her there. There is a grave for there, sir. What, how is this possible? Oh, yes, yes. When she was coming back to India with Jesus, she died en route in Pakistan and they named the town Murray. That's why we have Murray beer.
0: (laughs) We'll be right back after a word from our sponsor.
1: And now back to the show. The first time Ed heard this story, and you got to realize Ed was very much a fundamentalist. I mean, he was raised that way. He went to church three times a week. For him, his life was about Jesus and understanding Jesus' life. When he heard this, it just put his head into a spin. Um, and 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 he thought, what they're claiming Jesus was in India. So that began his quest and then another researcher who passed away recently and i'm again sorry i've forgotten her name but she wrote a book about uh uh jesus in kashmir his claim was his final destination was kashmir and she researched the tomb of mary in pakistan she said it's real it's there And that they they built, uh, I think, television towers right there, right above the grave. And they have a fence around it because they didn't want anybody fooling around with it. But uh, clearly, grave, markers. Now, let's go to the part of it claiming that Jesus went to Kashmir. So this was the most dangerous part of our trip. We went to Kashmir. I took my crew to Kashmir. It was recommended by... uh, the uh, United States government, that Americans not travel in Kashmir. It was dangerous. You know, it was war there. Uh, Pakistan claims Kashmir. India claims Kashmir. At that time, India had control and they had soldiers with rifles every couple blocks. It was a military zone. And when I got there with my crew, uh, my crew well, our objective was to go to the tomb there that is said by some to be the tomb of Jesus, to be the real, actual tomb of Jesus. And they rattle off all the reasons why, you know, it's it's acknowledged by the Muslims there that this is of a holy uh, personage. Wasn't cremated as a uh, Hindu would have been. And the positioning of The casket um, is east to west in the Jewish tradition, not the Muslim tradition. Mm -hmm. And there is a stone carving there of the prophet's feet showing the crucifixion scar on the the foot. Um, (laughs) So you start adding all this together. Well, when I got there, I was cautioned. Paul, you and Ed Martin, you cannot go to the tomb. It's in a Muslim district. They might kill you. So my friend uh, and co-producer, Anil, he led the Hindus on my team uh, there to the tomb. And it was forbidden to film in the tomb at that point in time because the Muslims were so upset. They say it's a prophet from Egypt. All Mm -hmm. right, it's there. who had been persecuted in his homeland, and he came here, where he was treated well. Well, uh, you know, they are no friends of Judaism. They wouldn't have said it's a prophet from Israel. He lived his early years in Egypt, so they say he's a prophet from Egypt. Um, But they didn't like the speculation uh, about that, because in uh, Islam, uh, there's a tradition about Jesus, I think, ascending to heaven, and Uh, It's blasphemy to claim that. Well, my crew snuck into the structure that houses the tomb and filmed there. They didn't get a lot of film. They didn't get as much as I would have liked, but they did get some film. And as they were climbing out, a crowd of Muslims had gathered. A policeman had come over. Oh, they Lord. were getting ready to arrest them.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And uh, this is all on film because they kept the cameras rolling and there were Muslims there screaming, you know, what have you done? You know, this is blasphemy. And uh, the police, there was a policeman there who was getting ready to uh, arrest uh, Anil. But uh, Neil said, look, you know, I'd like to talk to you about this a little bit. You know, he said, I'm, I, he said, you know, I'm, uh, I'm 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 from India, uh, Goa, I think, and 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 the policeman said, Oh, Goa, he said. Uh, hmm, He says I have a nephew who's playing in a soccer match uh, this weekend in Goa, and uh, Neil said, oh, 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 really? I have a relative who's he plays soccer in Goa. Maybe they're playing. A, they began a friendly conversation, you see,
0: mm-hmm.
1: over soccer, and the policeman said, Go, just go. and that was that was the end of the arrest was that lucky
0: that's amazing so you know
1: uh, Alex before we conclude uh, Mm -hmm. because we're almost an hour now and I know we can go a little bit over but I do really want your listeners to know about some of my other films as well
0: absolutely and we're definitely going to I definitely want to get to that so I just have one more question in regards to, to Jesus from your research into this whole the whole story of jesus and you know what is your ideas or what are your thoughts about the council of uh the council of uh, nicaea Nicaea, and removing certain books and basically structuring the story narrative of jesus by the by uh, to my understanding the roman emperor constantine did this Yes. Uh, because the Christians were just getting out of hand and we need to control the situation. So they're like, let's let's say, hey, I'm a, I'm a Christian now, too. And here's the book. And and kind of like if you can't beat them, join them. But control it is what is your understanding from your research about what happened at the Council?
1: Of well, the, that That is what happened. You've described it very well. They got rid of whatever books there were. Uh, in the Bible at that time that didn't fit with the story. Uh, I think I've heard that reincarnation was in some of those books. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it probably included the Gospel of Thomas, which Elaine uh, Pagels of Princeton is an expert on. Um, and at, it was at that time, I think, that they decided which were going to be the holy books of the Bible and what was going to be e- excluded. And it was a political <laughs> decision. Uh, it would seem. I mean, some, I'm sure there are many believers who feel that no, it wasn't political. It was inspired by God. They were, he was instructed. Obviously. Well, you Obvious. know, we can't say, we don't know. There's so much we don't know about all of this and it'll never be a solved story. But what makes it so interesting that it's a mystery with so much evidence that goes against the traditional uh, beliefs of, of of Christianity and doesn't detract in any way no. from the world significance of Christianity it changed the world as we know it. Look how many billions of Christians there are today and how many people believe they find their salvation through that, how many miracles are reported. And uh, believe me, I'm a believer in in miracles and many of those reports. I, one of my films, Before We Say Goodbye, deals heavily with Our Lady of Guadalupe, mm-hmm. uh, the uh, Hispanic American emblem, if you will, for Mother Mary, based on a miracle that happened in 1531 with an encounter between a peasant and uh, a holy mother who imprinted her image on his cactus cloth that should have faded away and dissolved and been decrepit in 50 years. And here it is about 500 years later, and the image of the holy lady is still on that cloth that never deteriorated, Never deteriorated. It's still on display in Mexico City at the Basilica of uh, Lady of Guadalupe. And we filmed there with the movie before we say goodbye. But I want to mention what has been really, I think it has become, well, my chief work. I've done a lot of work about UFOs. You know, I Mm -hmm. I was the executive producer of Showtime's movie, Roswell,
0: Mm -hmm.
1: some major stars. Kyle MacLachlan, Martin Mm -hmm. Sheen. White Yoakum. That was 1994. Recently, in April, a film I was executive producer of called Accidental Truth UFO Revelations came out. And this really brings the UFO story right up to date. Many of the people who were in the latest of the congressional hearings are in the film, including Congressman Tim Burchette. Uh, I'm very proud of it. It's a must-see. But apart from the interest in UFOs, and special effects, my film, The Sci-Fi Boys. We'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. And now back to the show. Um, I have made three films that all have the title, The Life After Death Project. Mm -hmm. The Life After Death Project, one. The Life After Death Project, two, Personal Encounters. The Life After Death Project, Three Seance Encounters. And again, if you go to my website, I'll say it again, pauldavids-artist.com. And you go to the menu and then click on films streaming. You find access to all of my films, Mm -hmm. including these three about life after death. This became of absolute supreme importance to me in 2009, this whole question about, can we prove that there's life after death? And is spirit communication in some cases real between someone who's deceased and a loved one who's still alive? And strange, strange things began happening in my life after my great mentor in film, uh, passed away, Forrest J. Ackerman. Um, he was an atheist. He didn't believe in life after death. He was also a futurist though. He invented the term sci-fi. He was very, very interested in, um, science fiction and how it projects the future that we might have. Uh, he said to me, you know, Paul, uh, he was about 92 at this point. And he said, um, You know, I don't think there's any life after death. I think it's like, you know, an old computer, you know, when that motherboard goes, you know, throw it away. That's the end of it. He said, you know, but just in case it turns out that I'm wrong. He says, if I wake up after I die to some great science fiction convention in the sky. He said, you know, maybe I'll drop you a line. I'll try if I could. I'd drop you a line. (laughs) He said, "I'd, I'd, I'd, I'd try. He said, don't count on it. For God's sake, no, he wouldn't say that. He didn't believe in God either. At that point, he didn't. I think he's changed his mind now that he's passed away. But what happened was, see, he was an editor, an editor. So what does it mean to drop someone a line? In my case, it happened with a piece of text, with a, a document I printed out of the computer. I went out, the ink had been drying for a couple hours. I knew the ink was dry. I was alone in the house when I came back. Uh, I picked up the document. It was normal and ordinary. I was out of the room for five minutes. And when I came back, the document had been strategically targeted, physically changed. Mm. Four words had now been blacked out by some kind of ink or something that was still moist. Mm. It hadn't. There was no moisture when I left the room. And it was so neatly done, it was clear those four words had been chosen. I was alone in the house. What do you get from that? I get a ghost. Mm. I was scared. I was scared, really, uh, at first, because I wasn't thinking, uh, you know, about Forrey. Uh, Forrest J. Ackerman, we called him Forey. And that this could be the line he said he was going to drop me. Well, if you see the movie, The Life After Death Project One, you'll see what happened in my life because of that blackout of those four words Mm -hmm. that went to the head of the chemistry department uh, in um, uh, Purdue University,
0: Mm
1: -hmm. um, Jay Siegel, who's now deceased. And then uh, the document went to the College of New Jersey, to a chemist there. I had scientists working on this for years who came away, not only did weird things related to Fari start happening in their lives just from investigating this, but they're on record as saying science can't explain this. And you'll see it in the Life After Death Project One. Also involves a fabulous uh, scientist, Dr. Gary Schwartz, University of Arizona, Tucson, written many books. He has studied mediums for about 15 years, separating uh the wannabes from the ones that really do have a gift and we filmed a couple of those who have a gift in life after death project one and you will see Mm -hmm. it's absolutely extraordinary what they're bringing across from uh Mm -hmm. forrest j ackerman who died at the age of 92 i was his friend for most of my life, I met him when I was 13 years old. I won a contest in his magazine. I was a teenage filmmaker. And mm-hmm. when I got to Hollywood, studying at the American Film Institute, Center for Advanced Film Studies, I spent a lot of time with Fari, whose house was a great museum. So I'm, I'm telling your listeners, you can see that for free. It, it's a must if you want to see an extraordinary array of evidence that personality, life, survives mm-hmm. the end of the body
0: mm-hmm.
1: that wherever it is, whatever form it takes, can reach out and still communicate with us. It's real. Most of my life, I never would have believed in it, you know, but it, it happened to me. Then there's the life after Death project, two personal encounters in which I have talked to around 20 different people from all walks of life, uh, you know, librarians, archaeologists, nurses doctors, people who can confirm that uh, they've had contact from Mm -hmm. deceased friends and loved ones. It's real. By the time you've seen number two, this incredible wealth of evidence. And then number three is a Life After Death Project 3 seance encounters. The others are on Amazon. This one is on Tubi and seance encounters. We were actually given permission to film a seance and do research, paranormal research at the home of the late Forrest J. Ackerman, the home that he had owned. We were there with a team of scientists for four days and three nights. And that was all filmed live. That's what you'll see in number three. So nice. I encourage your encourage your listeners, your those who are watching to explore that I wanna mention just uh, one or two others of the projects. I have a project that's done completely in fun. Um, It's uh, maybe sort of a cross between Monty Python and Weird Al, Mm -hmm. but it's called Professor Hack Hard Drive Hacks the Universe. That's on Tubi. You go to my website, you can have a link to it on the Tubi channel. And this is me having fun where I, my father was a professor at Georgetown University. Mm-hmm. And I created the character of a funny professor I called Professor Hack Hard Drive, who uh, speaks in rhyme about all kinds of controversial things about the crazy modern world that we live in today. You know, So that subjects: tattoos is one of the subjects, WikiLeaks, uh, airport security, marriage and divorce. It's... Uh, It's well worth uh, seeing when you have the time. And since it's 19 separate skits, each one about four or five minutes, particularly the one on tattoos and one on the big bang, those are early in the movie. Uh, It's called Professor Hack Hard Drive Hacks the Universe.
0: Well, I appreciate that. I appreciate that. We will definitely, I'll put a link to all of the stuff in the show notes to make sure people can go check out your other work. Uh, Now I'm gonna ask you a few questions to ask all my guests. Yes. Um, What is your definition of living a fulfilled life?
1: Well, I think I've lived a fulfilled life because uh, I've felt driven to create um, projects that would open people's minds to things that they may have just outright rejected or never considered, but things that I think have merit and are probably real. Uh, Some of these things are scoffed as conspiracy theories, whatever that means. I mean, the point is, when you look at the topics that I've chosen, I've I've chosen topics that um, broaden the mind as to what reality really might be, as opposed to just what conventional uh, thinking makes us think. The other aspect is not just this opening of the minds through the topics, but uh, painting. I'm a painter. I have been since I'm a child. One of my films is about Vincent van Gogh called Starry Night. And I've painted now hundreds of paintings. I just, uh, I, I, I know I've always had a gift for it, but it's, um you talk about what's a fulfilled life, it's been very fulfilling to me to leave these artworks of beauty uh, which will be, uh, you know, one of my uh, legacies. We'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. And now
0: back to the show.
1: So there's been that, there's been books. I've just uh, lived a fulfilled life in every way and family too, because I've been married 51 years to the same. Congratulations. There you are. Um, How do you define God? Well, I don't think we should try to define God. I think God is beyond all definition. Uh, But the, the aspect of God, what I think that the word implies is the prime mover, the prime creative force by which all of this that we experience exists. And some people don't believe there is a prime moving force behind all of it. I look at the intricacy, um, the structure, the design of everything around us, how it all interconnects. And I say, to think that there isn't a vast intelligence behind all of this is nonsense.
0: I I, I couldn't agree with you more. And finally, uh, what is the ultimate purpose of life?
1: I don't think any of us knows the answer to that question, the ultimate purpose. I think um, I think there are all different kinds of ways that you can live your life. There are certain ways that are more constructive to helping the human family. And there are ways that are really, really destructive. Mm. And there are a lot of people out there that are driven by terrible, destructive, even murderous impulses and lack of honesty and willingness to steal and losing all self-control and devoting themselves entirely to drugs or whatever it may be, uh, they've lost their way. So when we're saying, does life have a purpose? If it has a purpose, it's not any of that, you know, it's, it's to, uh, it's to try to live life in uh, a way that we can fully appreciate the, extraordinary mystery of creation that's what it is for me and last question do you think that
0: any of any time in the future will people accept this idea of jesus in india will the mainstream eventually 100 years 200 500 from now
1: well you know i hate to be a pessimist <laughs> but the fact is since we can't prove jesus in india without documents that are a couple thousand years old in our hands to be examined. I mean, we're having enough trouble proving the Shroud of Turin, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. There's a lot of things about the Shroud of Turin that would make you think this must be the burial shroud of Jesus. And then they come up with a a carbon dating that contradicts it. Well, there are people that are challenging the whole nature of the way that carbon dating was done and still insist there's no agreement. I don't think there'll ever be agreement about whether Jesus was in India, just as like there won't be uh, agreement throughout all of mankind, whether Jesus was the Messiah. But some people will accept it and it's wonderful to contemplate, but maybe it's more important to contemplate uh, Jesus's words and the message of his life that we know about already. And that this, about the India origins of some of Christianity It's a sidebar, you know? It's a historical curiosity. But what Christianity is trying to say is, look at Jesus's life as we know it. Look at what he taught. Don't go away from what he taught. It's a value to everyone, regardless of what your native religion is. I think that's important, you know, because I I was not raised a Christian, and, uh, but uh, there you go.
0: Paul, it has been a pleasure, sir, talking to you. Thank you so much for not only having this conversation, but the work you've done to enlighten the world. So I appreciate you, my friend. Thank you again. Thank you for having me. I want to thank Paul so much for coming on the show and sharing his knowledge with all of us. If you want to get links to anything we spoke about in this episode, head over to the show notes at nextlevelsoul.com forward slash 330.